What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnsons, Ja Raffs, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? Nothing like some te- technical difficulties to start your Monday morning. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything I'd like to have more than 7.15 a.m. technical difficulties. Sounds fantastic. Other than that, we're, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, we're persevering. We're persevering. Um, well, here we are doing this podcast, even though we said, even even though we said, if San Diego State and Miami won on, on yeah. Sunday, that that was it, that we just yeah. weren't coming back. That, we, that was it. There was a yes. moment when I realized Texas was going to lose. That thought crossed my mind. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to have that. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Um. Wow, that was my chair arm. Sorry. That was not a, like a... A little aggressive like a, there. That, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a gun firing or anything. That was just a... Uh, that was just my chair arm locking into place. So there we go. Now you're up on a Monday morning as well. Um. <laughs> And we've got two basketball games to start uh, to talk about. And we have a final four that is that we have four teams headed to Houston. We'll start. We'll just go in chronological order. That seems logical. Starting with the South region championship game, final championship game, I guess final. final. That's usually what they call it. The South region final between San Diego State the five seed and Creighton, the six seed, 57 56. The final score here is clearly offense at a premium. Um, Blue Jays, 22 of 55 from the field, two of 17 from the three point line. Uh, are the San Diego State Aztec were really not that much better, and really, it's one of those box scores that you look and and it's like, okay, so so which one of these teams won this game? And that's that's kind of where you're at when you get a one-point game and neither team got to 60. And they combined to make five three-pointers. That too. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for the the advantage here, if you're San Diego State, they did take three fewer threes and made one more. They shot twice as well from three, which isn't saying much because they were three of 13, but they did shoot twice as well from three as, as Creighton did. So I guess that's it. <laughs> you know, they ended with the same amount of rebounds and you also had an advantage in offensive rebounds. So that's, that's something Jaden Ledee in particular was really good. He had three off three offensive rebounds off the bench. But, but it then, was, but then Creighton also made six more shots from the from the foul line yes you also have that Mm -hmm. yeah but it's the three extra field goals and the in the one extra three-pointer that gets you so that would get you what three six seven three six seven yeah there and and, and there you go and i also i mean this just felt like a game creighton should win just because of what they can do offensively. And again, credit the San Diego State defense. They have the ability to just completely disorient teams in a way very few teams in the country do. And so Creighton wins on another day where you're not 2 of 17 from three, but 
they were two of seventeen from three, and the fact that they're not as reliant on it allowed them to stay in the game and have an opportunity. And the fact that they're this good defensively allowed them to right hold San Diego State fifty seven points. But at the end of the day, it comes down to one possession in that situation, and that was a foul. You can't just allow people to do whatever they want to now. If you want to argue that wasn't a foul, I'm happy to have that conversation. What I'm not interested in having is the you can't call that foul there conversation. You can't just let people do whatever they want because it's the last possession of the game. I the hate rules that don't... conversation. Yeah, the rules don't go away. Now, was that the most obvious egregious foul ever? No. There's an argument that but he still, put, I mean, Ryan Nemhart put his his hand on his hip. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, you can't touch people while they're trying to shoot. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff a game like this comes down to between two really good teams in the Elite Eight. Yeah, the whole, they're two, they're two, like, like, first of all, people get mad that the refs are so bad, and then when the refs make the right call they get mad so like it's a great point refereeing is an impossible job impossible and nobody ever comes away going that was a really well refereed game look at that performance like it's either like what you want is for nobody to talk about the refs yeah right like it's never you know what that was a really tough physical game and it was refereed appropriately yeah it's either like first of all that and then second of all like this idea that if you made a wrong call, you have to make up for it with another wrong call on the other end to balance it out. Or the idea that because like, like, like sure, maybe you don't, maybe you hold the whistle there, but the idea that you're not allowed to make the calls according to the rules that you've been given because it's late in the game is like, because that is a slippery, slippery slope, right? Because it's the it's the fouls that are like truly like like you're getting borderline molested <laughs> that that become an issue if you create this this preconceived notion that I can do whatever I want in the last fifteen seconds of the game because they're not going to call a foul. That's that's so silly. That's so boring. I mean, that's so lazy. Like. Like, f- come up with something. I, like, I mean, like, can we talk about that? Like, Bar- Baylor Shireman was 3 of 10 from the field. That Trey Alexander and Ryan Nemhard were 7 of 19 from the field. That Creighton got zero points in one shot total mm-hmm. from their bench. Like, can we talk about those things before you're lazy and just talk about the fact that there was a quote-unquote bad call at the end of this game? Like, and about Yeah, and, and the fact that Creighton had this game under control. Right. And... Could just couldn't when San Diego State got going in the second half, they just couldn't stop the snowball that was coming. And yes, obviously came down to the final possession, but it didn't look like that was going to happen for most of this game. And then, yeah, defensively, they just couldn't get couldn't string stops together to kind of quell the momentum and keep San Diego State at arm's length. And so all of a sudden, you get two teams that clearly, based on what's happened the last two seasons, are evenly matched because mm-hmm. they you just can't decide anything between them until the final seconds until overtime mm-hmm. and somebody makes you know 
Tramel makes a play, gets to the free throw line, knocks down a free throw. That's the difference because he beat Nemhard. Right? That's the other part of this. I'm not rewarding Ryan Nemhard for getting beat defensively. Yeah. Tramel had the, there's a reason he followed him because Tramel got him on his back and on his hip. Right. That's called the, right. Let's talk about the fact you need to play better defense than the fact that the refs did their job. Impossible job. Not enough money on the planet for me to do that job. That's kind of like teacher. That's kind of like teachers, right? Low key, they just need to be paid way, way better than they are for everything they deal with. I read a story not all that long ago that predicted and laid out why teachers are going to be the next, like, it's going to be the next profession or like, I don't know if it was like next, like there will be, won't be another one before teachers, but that at some point teachers will make like loot, like crazy amounts of money. Interesting. Probably not going to happen. But but interesting. Um, I would only be a referee if and like and like there are incredibly rewarding things that come with being a teacher, right? Like sure, like there's absolutely nothing rewarding that comes from being a referee. Zero. I mean, I mean like you get you get cool experiences. I mean, I guess you. I mean, yeah, but like that's that's different. Sure. I was just coming up with something. Yeah, right. I mean, if like that's the top of the, the the top, if that's the Mount Rushmore of of rewarding things that come from being a referee, I would like I would like to ask a referee that question. No, there knowing, ever... the other one I can think of is knowing that you're the reason this can happen, right? Okay. That if you don't have people willing to referee, you don't have a game. Sure. I'll entertain that one. I'm yeah, just coming but up with, yeah, I'm just coming up with stuff. Yeah, I would love to know like what the feeling like like what the feeling is. Like are they proud of the of a well-called game? Like does that linger with them? Like does it linger when they have a bad called game? Like I would I would be curious. I would only do it if I could if I could ref in it like a Batman mask so nobody knows who I am. <laughs> and if I could be just referred to as referee and then the number that's on the back of my referee jersey. That's mm-hmm. the only way I'm doing it. And then like seven figures. Then I'll talk. Then we'll talk. I guess the good thing is that nobody really recognizes referees. At least for the most part. Yeah. So that. They're just universally yelled out. <laughs> right. 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 It, when you're off the court. Right. That it doesn't. Sure. As angry as people may be. And I'm sure there's nasty things said on social media, unfortunately. But you do kind of get to escape back into your normal life without right? LeBron or Caitlin Clark or whoever can't just be a normal person. You don't think Caitlin Clark can be a normal person? I think everywhere except Iowa City, Caitlin Clark maybe, is a normal person. Maybe that's fair. That's fair. I'm just at this moment in time, sure. I was just thinking of kind of national sports celebrities and 40 point triple doubles in the elite eight we'll we'll do that for you it was coming at some point wasn't it oh absolutely yeah Yeah. as long as they got far enough they didn't stumble early for some you know unforeseen reason it was going to come at some point there was going to be something stupid yeah i was just going for names that came to top of mind right the the athlete is different than the ref in that i I apologize for taking that thumbtack and burst in your bubble there my bad all good uh, the other thing I want to say here, heading into the final four, Matt Bradley's going to start putting up points at some point. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. He was one of eight in this game, and obviously, they're they're built differently. Where he's not, 
they're not designed for him to be the player he was at Cal. They're certainly not designed for him to be one of eight from the field, though. Yeah. There's always the opportunity that, you know, and Tramiel's been pretty good this tournament. Butler was 8 of 11 from the field for 18 points. That was big. But Matt Bradley is the guy that can go score 25. Right, they're not. They're not built. They're not asking him to do that every game. He's sacrificing some of his offensive firepower to make this work and for them to be at their best. But it's coming. And I also so refuse to believe that their best is, includes him six of twenty-seven for three games over right, three right, games. Right, I refuse right. to believe that. Right, I'm talking more from a shot volume standpoint, from a usage rate. Sure, that he's not. He's not. The offense is not designed for him to score 20 a game. No. It's well, it's much more balanced than that. But right, at some point, they need him to be better. I believe he's going to be better. So if you're looking for optimism heading into a a final four game, it's that at some point he's gonna start making shots. And then maybe you get a little bit better offensively because they their defense allows him to do this, but they've kind of just won based off of Right, making games ugly, just really kind of messing everything up for the other team and grinding their way through. They have gotten to 70 twice. In general rule of thumb in college basketball, if you can get to 70 on most nights, if your yeah. defense is good, you're probably going to win that game. Yeah, I guess this this game in particular kind of... And the Charleston game wasn't pretty, wasn't pretty either. Yeah, right. And they're certainly capable of it, which is why... And I was thinking more, yeah, okay, so they scored 70 again. They were pretty good offensively against Alabama. Yeah. He was 7-15 to 15 in the in the Charleston game. Game they only scored 63 points. Yeah. So, right, there's there's that part of it, too, that he can kind of be that guy to go get you 20 in a game where you're not playing well. And they've had other guys step up to make up for the fact that he hasn't been doing that. But at some point, they need him if they're going to keep keep going. I mean, in theory, they're about to go play the, the, the by definition, the lowest quality team they've played in the tournament. Uh, that's, well, I guess, other than Second. Charleston. Right, right. But certainly since the, the round of 64. So maybe we'll see. And they'll play a Miami team that they might be the only team in the country that they can shut down. Yeah, that would be a fascinating matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Six fifty-seven, fifty-six. The San Diego State Aztec. Here we go. We went from a Mountain West team like never winning a first-round game to the Mountain West, to a Mountain West team going all the way to the Final Four. How about and, that? And they've been. I mean, they have been kind of knocking on the door, right? If it was going to be somebody, it was going to be San Diego State. Sweet Sixteens. They didn't have, and I think we we're talking about this off air. They didn't even get the opportunity with their best team. That right. Malachi Flynn team needed to play in the NCAA tournament. Right. That this is. Eventually, they were going to make a deep run because they're built for this tournament because they're excellent every single season, you know, win 20, 25, 30 games, can play with anybody in the country. It's just, a, you know, you need to have things go your way. You need to catch some breaks. You need to play at your best in the tournament. They got a, looking back on it, a good matchup with that one seed, I believe, because mm-hmm. of the way that they can just take you out of your element with what they can do defensively and you right. You, you make the play you need to get past the elite eight and here they are. 
in in a season that they basically whiffed on all of the chances to get good wins too. Mm-hmm. You know, we they they lost that game against Nevada on January thirty first, and I believe even you came in here as you might have thrown them in there, or was it? I feel like they were they came up in conversation around that time because they had lost two of their you know two games in six because they had also lost in New Mexico and then they lost in Nevada and there was a conversation about like the the margin of for error is not very big right now because they don't they don't have any any great wins like up until that point you know they had lost to Arizona and Arkansas as well as St. Mary's all close games but none of them they were actually able to get and um they've only lost once since then they lost yeah. to Boise State on the road and other than that they've taken care of business up until the final four i know i meant to, i had new mexico as a loser in that for that reason wasn't new mexico i know i had new mexico at one point maybe that's what i'm thinking about that might have been what it was yeah okay all right fair anything else on this game I would have loved to see Creighton and UConn play each other in the national championship game. And if I'm and if I'm UConn, I am thrilled that San Diego State won that game just because I don't want to. They haven't lost it. I mean, Danny Hurley's been talking about this. They feel great having to not play Big East teams. Mm-hmm. I want. It's not that I that San Diego State is way less scary than Creighton or anything. Clearly, I mean, they just played to a draw essentially. I just don't want a Big East team if I'm UConn, so I'm thrilled that my path, no matter what now, involves all non-con opponents. Not to mention that it features San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. <laughs> no, it's not just non. It's not just non. Yeah, right. Right. Somehow we're the four seed and the best seed in this tournament left. How about that? Yeah. On the other side of the bracket last night um josh in a corner crying tears because texas falls to miami 88 81 um miami i mean texas decided that defense was optional in this game i mean that's basically what we got down to 59 percent from the field 29 to 49 from the field they were like we don't need to shoot three corners it's fine we're two of eight from the field we got to the free throw line 32 times that's 28 of 32 87 percent from the field i mean texas was was just fine offensively 50 percent from the field 30 30 of 60 10 of 25 from the three-point line uh, got to the free throw line 15 times and made 11 of them. But Josh, um, at multiple points this season, we said, you know, we want to see Texas. I mean, there there were multiple times that when Texas came up in conversation, we were having the, con- the, the, the talk about can Texas just lock it in defensively? And, and can they kind of, because there are nights where, right, and, and those big physical guards and all of the, the arms and legs and length and athleticism that they have all over the floor, it, when they lock in defensively, they are, they are the most, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the most balanced team in the country. And one of the, and that's right, one of the reasons why you had them Cutting down the nets, right? Not mm-hmm. just the final four, right? Oh yeah. And and um, on this particular night, right? Miami has shown that they are clearly one of the best offenses in the country this year, and just have guys on every single night. I mean, we're talking. I mean, that backcourt 
that backcourt. And, you know, it was led by Jordan Miller. It wasn't it even Nigel Pack and, and Isaiah Wong, right? It was, it was Jordan Miller, seven of seven from the field and 13 of 13 from the, from the free throw line. Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong added 15 and 14 of their own. If you're counting at home, that is 46 com- points combined. And um, so listen, it's not just the Texas defense here. Of course, Miami has shown that, Hey, we can score on anybody. And certainly we can score on anybody left in this tournament. Um, I suppose San Diego state's the team that, has the best has the best opportunity to to shut them down. Um, if anybody right. does, maybe, maybe UConn. It's, maybe the way it's they're UConn. playing defense right now. Um, but they certainly don't have that much better of a chance to stop them than Texas did, and Texas did no such thing. Yeah, and I'm not even going to be too hard on Texas's defense. Clearly, I mean, you gave up. I'm going to be hard on Texas's defense. Don't give up 51 in the second half of an elite ga- eight game. Yeah, I mean, you gave up 88. It could be better, but they're they did essentially take away the three point line. They forgot the other. They forgot all of the other square feet of the court. Yeah. like literally all of it. It wasn't like this was a bunch of layups, though. I mean. How many of those, and certainly there were some, but how many of those, if you're Rodney Terry, are you going back saying, I'm not okay with the end result of that possession before you actually see the ball go into the basket or bounce off of the basket? I don't know. It was a combination of everything, right? Some defensive lapses and Miami's spectacular offense i just i'm to the point where i'm kind of just giving the credit to miami's offense more than anything else um and like also you can't get outscored by 13 with 13 minutes left you're up 64 31 with 13 30 left in this game like we can defend texas's defense all we want to you lost to a worse miami team and you're up by 13 with 13 minutes left and the game wasn't even close at the end yeah, to me, the and I know a lot of this has to do with Miami's 51 points in the second half, but to me, the most frustrating part is the way that their offense just disappeared down the stretch. Yeah, that with, with all of those offensive weapons, they just couldn't do anything to keep themselves in the game, prevent this from getting to the point where Miami's just getting a free throw line parade at the end mm-hmm. because, right, you're following because it's kind of close, but also you're not really in the you know you're hoping for a miracle and Miami just made their free throws and didn't provide it and you know Dylan Mitchell four points Bishop seven Hunter nine Brock Cunningham was good Morris hit a couple of threes but outside of I mean you had Timmy Allen Marcus Carr and Serge Barry Rice giving you 15 16 and 17 not in that mm-hmm. order and outside of that you just didn't really get enough from anybody else to overcome what what Miami was providing offensively. And there's also the part of this that Dylan D'Souza is their most important defensive player. Probably. And he didn't play. Not their most important guard defensive player, though. He's not no, guarding right. any of those guards. Right, right, right. From an interior standpoint, if you're taking away the three-point line, Right, that sure the the rim protector becomes important to kind of impact those shots. Does that make the difference? I mean, 
the way he was playing, I can certainly make the argument. Also, they were doing just fine without him, and then it fell apart. So mm-hmm. you can't kind of have it both ways and say, look how good they were in the first half, and then, yeah, I. you just got to give Miami credit. They, <laughs> I, There are times watching them, I just wonder how they lose so many times during the regular season. I think you're not giving Miami enough credit. They lost six times in the regular season. In a down ACC, yeah. I mean, and and shared the and shared the regular shared season. ACC. What else do you yeah. want from them? They just they just look like they should, you know, be going thirty-one and three or something. I just they're so good offensively, and those guards are so difficult to deal with. And you know, Isaiah Wong did not have a good first half at all, and then he came out in the second half, and he kind of took over and said, I'll get us the points we need to. And Well, the answer to your question is that they're the 104th ranked defense yeah. at Kimpom. Like they're, that's yeah. the answer to your question. <laughs> they gave up 88 to Maryland, a Maryland team that couldn't hit the broadside of the barn in this tournament scored 88 and won by 18 against them. They gave up 76 to a sub 150 Kimpom Georgia tech team. Um, they lost 83, 81 to NC State. Um, like the, the short answer is when they don't, when they don't make everything offensively, right. they're put at risk. Yeah. And because there's a lot of like, there's a, they, 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 uh, Louisville ended up 290th at Kempom. They put 83 points on the board against this team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're not very good defensively. Yeah. So, so there's your, they do a lot of winning by 10 and scoring 86. Right. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, 88, yep. 72. 80, 73, 91, 76. 83, 93-85, that was the Louisville score. They beat Wake Forest 96-87. So um, that's ultimately your answer right there. And sure, right. And over, you know, 30-plus games, that's going to kind of even itself out a little bit more. They just have this thing where, and it was last year's group, and then you add Nigel Pack and Norchad Amir, who was also really good in this game. Mm-hmm. That's one of the differences from last season. You have a legitimate interior presence mm-hmm. instead of a stretch five who mm-hmm. isn't that big. <laughs> they, so they are better, but they have, they just have the ability for whatever reason that they're playing. They don't have those kind of games in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. whether that's just coincidence, whether that's something Jim Laranig is doing right last season, this season, they generally, Oh, I think, Oh, they had that, the stinker of a game against Iowa state. that was just awful to watch that they won last year. But generally, you're remembering that one correctly. Seventy fifty six. So what you remember? They oh, they, they lost seventy six fifty to Kansas. Oh no, I was thinking of Iowa State's first round game. Sorry, sorry, okay. gotcha. not yeah, my bad. I don't remember who they played in the first round. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, they just they don't have those stinkers in the NCAA tournament, and so you got to score. Iowa State beat LSU. That's what it was. Fifty nine fifty four. But then they beat Wisconsin fifty four forty nine. So you. I was thinking picking. of the uh, I was thinking of the LSU game, but yeah, gotcha. you, you could, could pick, pick either one of those games. Yeah. <laughs> they do, they just score eighty every single NCAA tournament game. It seems like or seventy against a team that isn't very good offensively, and it's just a, it's yeah, they're they're one of those teams that. Is this a sustainable method to win a, a national championship? I mean, they're getting close. I would still argue the answer is no, because they're nowhere near good enough defensively. Mm-hmm. But on the right night, on the if you play well for four games offensively, they're as dangerous as any team in the country because, like I talked about last game, they're just better than you are 
offensively versus defensively. And it doesn't matter how good you are defensively if they're better than you offensively. The good mm-hmm. offense is going to win because they make tough shots. They don't need the three-point line. They just generate offense. Mm-hmm. And there are very few teams that have that kind of ability. So you, so then the question becomes, right, if you get UConn and then San Diego State, can one of them actually win this tug of war and actually dictate the terms of the game with their defense? Because until you do that, this Miami team is going to be incredibly difficult to deal with. Unless they just have a bad offensive game and then they're in trouble because particularly UConn. UConn's going to score some points too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've already they've already beaten the fifth ranked d- defense at Kempom, the thirteenth ranked defense mm-hmm. at Kempom, and then where is Indiana? They can't be that far down there. And then I get there further than I thought. The forty fifth ranked defense at Kempom, but I right. would argue that Indiana is a better defense than that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not at the guard position though. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, it's one of those things it's, yeah, it's, they probably have their, like their toughest test probably comes against UConn in the final four. Like if they Mm -hmm. win that one, right. That's, that's, that will, I bet that will be talked about as the de facto national championship leading up to the, to the final four. Um, maybe some implications there, if nothing else. Um, but I mean, you know, you had they get they, they escaped Drake in the first round, sixty three fifty six, and then eighty five against Indiana, eighty nine against Houston, and eighty eight against Texas. It's not bad. It's not bad from the from the U. Um, where you know we talked about uh, we talked about Muss earlier in this tournament. Where's Jim Larinaga in the I know how to coach in the NCAA tournament? Oh, he's way you? up there. He's got to be up, up there, there, right? He's got Final Fours seven. I think exactly seventeen years apart. Yeah, that's correct. Plus another elite eight at you know programs who had never been there before, and like, has won and has won three and has won multiple games in the tournament three straight years now. Yeah, since, they since lost to oh they lost to that Loyola team in the first round. I had forgotten about that. Which year? When Loyola made the final four. That was that would have been twenty one, right? Twenty. Uh, no. Since the pandemic, Miami has missed the tournament and lost to Kansas in the Elite Eight. Yeah, it was before the pandemic. What year was that? 2018? Yeah, that's what it was. 2018? Yeah. yeah. I believe that was the year they lost to Lowell in the first round. It is. That's what I'm talking. I'm looking. 64-62. Yeah, then it was the oh, who was it? I forget who Chris hit the Lyle's shot. Lonnie Walker team. Yeah, somebody hit a buzzer beater for. Loyola. My guess I've, was that it would be Clayton Clayton Custer. Custer. I think it might have been. I don't remember who it was. But my point just being, I was trying to remember. Oh, right, they actually did lose in the first round one year. <laughs> because yeah, like everybody been, at one point or another, right? Except just, maybe Bill Self. Yeah. And they're not, you know, they don't walk in with one and two seeds where you put yourself in a really good position to never have that happen, right? They're right. fives, they're sixes, they're fours. And yeah, they just find a way to win multiple games. This is a formula for NCAA tournament success. The question is, is it a formula that allows you to get past, again, sort of the opposite of Houston? 
can you get from Sweet 16 to Elite Eights making a Final Four to winning a national championship without having a defense? I'm sorry, because... did you just did you just imply that Sweet 16s is in CA tournament success? Yes. Okay, just checking. Yeah, right. yeah cool. I know. Matt Painter, four out of six. Just checking. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be the litmus test here. But right, from a maximizing your position with your team. And how do we have NCAA tournament success? Mm-hmm. You look at what Miami does during the regular season and what Miami's done during the postseason. And also, you I mean, you could talk about the fact that they also have multiple regular season ACC titles at this point. That's pretty impressive in and of itself. But nobody really expects it from him in the NCAA tournament. And he did it at George Mason. He did it last year. He's doing it again. Yeah. Oh, he's up on that list, too. Mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, testify. 88-81, the final score here. And so your final four, as we all had, on the right side of the bracket is the U, the Hurricane. They're coming. A storm's a brewing. The Miami Hurricanes against the, we were once dubbed the best team in the country, did a full circle and got on the merry-go-round, and now we're back here as the best team left standing, the UConn Huskies and the Fighting Dan Hurleys. And then on the other side, as everyone predicted, out of the bracket that included Alabama, Creighton, Baylor. Arizona, Baylor. Who else was in there? Who was the four seed in that? Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Nobody was predicting that one, though. Um, the, the San Diego State Aztec. Here they are. Here they are. Um you know, just adding to the list of teams that at Kempom are unbelievably unbalanced. I mean, I think Miami is sixth that in offensive efficiency right now and outside the top 100 in defense. Flip that around for San Diego State. I think they're fourth at Kempom defensively and 75th in offense. So we're just busting all, like, shouts to UConn, who is now number one at Kempom and was on the list of teams that could do this before the season, before the tournament started. They're first in offensive efficiency and 11th in defensive efficiency. Um, so sorry, sorry, I'm on the wrong. I'm on the wrong year. Third and eleventh. How about that? The 2018 Villanova Wildcats were first and eleventh in offense and defense, and the, the UConn Huskies are also first at Kempom right now. Third and eleventh. I almost got away with it being on the wrong Kempom page. Um, weirdly enough, the team closest to fitting the bill of a national champion is Florida Atlantic, who's top 29 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, but. Um, just like everyone predicted, on that side of the bracket, mm-hmm. you'll get Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. You got the fighting Dusty Mays, the fighting Dan Hurley's, not the Bobby Hurley's, the Dan Hurley's, um, and uh, the Final Four that everyone predicted in Houston in, in a week. And Miami's just made the entire state of Texas its enemy. Shoot, <laughs> by, you're right. By denying not one, but two teams the ability to go play the home state for the Final Four. And it just happened to be the top two seeds in their region. <laughs> How about that? And you know, like Jim Nance might just like straight up insult Jim Larnega on the on the <laughs> on the broadcast, stopping his his Houston boys from coming and playing in the in the final four in Houston in Jim Nance's last final four. Yeah. Shoot. You just by Jim Nance by Jim, Jim Larnega sucks. <laughs> Imagine that he just goes out with a bang. What are they gonna do? Fire him? 
I guess he could still be fired from CBS. He's still a pretty yeah, he's important, got, he's he's got still some pretty, stuff riding on. He's still on. a yeah. pretty important part yeah. of the CBS broadcast team, even if it's not the Final Four team. All right, fine. Maybe he'll reel it in just a little bit. And, of course, the... Jim right. Laranega smells. Maybe he'll say that. <laughs> of course, you have the centrally located uh, Final Four with three East Coast teams and a West Coast team. Hey, this is why we do it in Houston. Yeah, I mean, nobody's got an advantage. You can say that for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a traveling party standpoint, UConn's probably the strongest. And Houston's, so, what, like the third biggest city in the country? Yeah, third or fourth. Yeah. Right. They'll fill it. It'll be all right. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. It did. I saw some people talking about, you know, the the value of the ticket decrease significantly i cannot come up with a thing that makes you sound like more of a loser than right after the final four is set you're talking about the value of a of the ticket of the final four like would you get over like it's the same it's the same with the people who like make videos about here's how you can make a hundred dollars a day and you don't have to have any experience just go to this website Little little marketing Google ad sense, you know, find keywords, just like just like honest work, maybe. And how about we enjoy the final four where we talk about, you know, instead of talking about the financials of it? So boring. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It'll be fun. It's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. When Loyola then, Chicago went, it was fun. When Georgia, like, like the tournaments that people remember off the top of their head, it's either the, oh my gosh, remember when all the one seeds were there in 2015, and it was, I don't know if they were actually all one seeds, but at least three of them were, and you know, and you know, it's Michigan State, it's Wisconsin, it's that undefeated Kentucky team, it's Duke, or it's the ones like you know when. George Mason goes to the final four. Shouts to Jim Larnega. Or when Butler goes to the final four. Like, like nobody remembers the years that it's just a bunch of like one, two, and three seeds. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, last, and last year had its own situation because of the names and the Duke UNC part of it. Right. But that was mostly about Duke playing North Carolina in the final four and how good that game was. Right. Yeah. And the final point I want to make here is, and I, this really annoys me in soccer too, because everybody talks about all the, you know, the, the Premier League's ruining the game. All this money is ruining the game. Blah blah blah. Everybody's taking over. You know, NIL is ruining the game. All these, you know, the SEC, the Big Ten, are gonna and college football. It's a little bit different, but we always kind of look at this worst case scenario that all this stuff is changing and the big brands are just destroying everybody. And who showed up in the Final Four? San Diego State, Florida Atlantic who has the most wins of any team in the country and will no matter what happens. Okay, UConn, who hasn't been a factor in the NCAA tournament in a while. Yes, recent success, massive history, you know, big-time program, back where they should be. But it's not like they were here last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, Miami, and then the capital of the NIL. Right. Now, it's <laughs> a program who's never been there before, Right a team that right clearly has benefited from the financial firepower that comes with being university of Miami, Florida. My point just being, there are multiple ways to have success. And there's this real lazy narrative that all, oh, you, you know, the odds are stacked against you. You can't do it. Yes, you can. It's hard. That's the point. That's why you celebrate going to a final four, but you can do it. If San Diego state can do it, if Florida Atlantic can do it, right. If you can build a really good program, you can find players capable 
of in this tournament designed for chaos, surviving, thriving, and getting to this point. And then maybe just maybe you show up in a weird year and the timing is right where you look up and you go, look, if UConn loses, who knows what happens? Cause they're the clear favorite, at least in my eyes. And I'm assuming you feel the same, but if they don't win that final four game, I mean, we're talking, not only are we talking about, you know, Miami, San Diego state or Fort Atlantic winning a national championship then, mm-hmm. but also I have no clue who the favorite out of those three is, you know? Mm-hmm. It is up for grabs if somebody can beat you. It's hard. It's supposed to be. Are you going to complain about it, or are you going to actually embrace the difficulty of it? Tom is just going to complain about it. <laughs> Retire, Tom. It's time. You're complaining about made baskets after a NCAA tournament game. That's what. That's what you. That's what you did. It's time to retire. That one really rubbed you the wrong way, huh? Yeah. But Tom has been rubbing me the wrong way sure. for 48 the, months now. It's not, not the exactly first time. New. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, shout out to, to San Diego State. Shout out to the Fighting Dusty Mays for the making The Fighting it Dusty Mays, baby. The Fighting Dusty Mays. I just get so tired of just the, you know, kind of blaming the sport. The sport is fun because it's inherently unfair. It's also like not, nobody's pretending that the NCAA, like the people who just, who was like, the NCAA tournament doesn't doesn't figure out who the best team is like nobody's pretending that it does right we just need to stop acting like yeah it does (laughs) right i also just don't understand why people refuse to just enjoy it like why can't we just like why can't it just be fun that these teams are there and stop acting like you care if cbs's ratings are good or not you don't actually care you just think you're holier than thou for bringing it up yeah I've, i've come to the point where i I've heard Colin Collar talk about this for a long time, this idea of, and I think I've heard some other people mention it too, but that we don't actually want, you know, parody and just kind of the same team, just kind of this blondness. What we want is, is Cinderella's underdogs, compelling stories, dynasties, those kind of things, right? David versus Goliath matchups to your point about the final force. We remember are the ones that had the Cinderella's in them or had a, you know, a spectacular Duke North Carolina game or something like that. The, the sport is more compelling when you have, right. Not just a bunch of two and three seeds in there, but interesting teams for a variety of reasons. All four of these are interesting. You have teams you didn't really know much about, that are really good basketball teams. You know, it's not like any of these teams don't belong here. That's always my thing is sometimes we just need to get some teams that won a game or two. They weren't supposed to out of here. That's not the case with any of these teams. All these teams can beat any of the other teams in here to the extent that it's possible. They're all deserving national champions. Does that mean they're the best team in the country? No, but this is, this is going to be really fun. It's a different kind of final four. That's not a bad thing. No. No, no, it's not about it. It's an interesting point, though. It's like it's the same. It has the same energy as, you know, Spotify had to make their algorithm for their shuffle actually less random because people were upset when they would get the same artist twice in a row. So if it's truly random, sometimes you will get the same artist twice in a row. But it created the illusion that it was less shuffled, less randomized. So in order to create 
the illusion that it's more randomized, they made their algorithm algorithm less randomized. less randomized. Because if you're not gonna get that artist ever after getting that artist once, then like that's not truly randomized. We talk about how much we love the Cinderellas, but there's always that inkling, like you know, there's always those people who it's like and and, and I'm even part of like I I like I'm not gonna act like I'm not part of that, at least to a certain extent. I'm certainly not to the part to the a part of it to complain about it. But you and I talked about on many kids that my ideal that my ideal NCAA yeah. tournament is upsets in the first round in the first and maybe second round that don't actually impact my elite eight. Right. Like like the Virginia losing to Furman. Furman. Like that is awesome because the Virginia was never going to the Elite Eight. But Furman got their win that was awesome the the last the end of that game was chaotic but ultimately it didn't like impact the second weekend mm-hmm. and that's my ideal ncaa tournament but like also it's i mean it's fun to watch florida atlantic completely belong against every team right. that they play that's that's my thing with this one is yeah because generally i i want a deserving national champion just so that we don't have to go back and hear the narratives that are if we could just all accept as a basketball community that this is, and I shout out to Nicole Auerbach. I saw her basically tweet what we've been trying to say every single year about it's just chaos. It's designed that way. Let's treat it that way. You know, mm-hmm. if we could come at it from that standpoint, instead of talking about what this means for Matt Painter's legacy. Now, sweet losing to the, the 16th seat, a little bit different, but, and talking about, you know, another disappointing season for XYZ and oh, the Big Ten and all that stuff. Then I would feel a little bit less strongly about that. But but this one, I mean, these teams deserve to be here. I don't. It just became very clear that the best team wasn't going to win this tournament, except for if UConn did. And, you know, Texas was the other team remaining that had that opportunity. But once the one seed started going down, you just went, okay, this is. <laughs> There is no rhyme or reason to any of this. A team's going to win. It's going to be fun. We're just going to have to accept that probably, again, UConn is the only team that can make this argument that maybe they really were the best team and they've just kind of hid for us from a month there when they couldn't win against the Big East. But other than that, I just got to a point where this was going to happen. So let's have some fun with it. And it's right. These teams won some close games, you know, Fort Atlantic first round. San Diego State escaping Creighton, but they have clearly proven they belong. And so at that point, to me, it's not any different than if this was Kansas State and Arizona, UConn and IU or something, or Houston, right? They belong just as much as those teams did. It just so happens that these lower, quote-unquote, lower seeds got there instead. But I don't feel any I don't feel like it's any different just because they're not names you typically associate with. Right? Fort Atlantic beat Kansas State. You know, did they get some help with the way that bracket played out? Sure. But they also beat one of the best teams in the Big Twelve with one of the best players in the country. Right. They all deserve to be here just like any other team pretty much that finds a way to get here deserves to be. Amen. All righty. Are we going to podcast on Thursday? Is there, is there a reason to podcast on Thursday? We could do – I think we should do – we'll have to talk more off air, but I think we should do a Final Four preview. Okay. Then I won't uh, ask you for Final Four predictions. 
that was that's where I was getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then I'm then I'm out of things to to say. You got anything else? No, let's yeah, let's, we'll figure out time to do a final four preview. That'd be fun. Agreed, agreed. So we'll do that at some point this week. Uh, we'll do a final four preview be, before Saturday. Josh on his on his A game this week. <laughs> that we're gonna do nothing gets past you, my friend. Nothing, not a we're single not, thing gets past you. We're not doing the final four preview on Sunday. That would be a bold strategy. And now to, I'll just to to do the final yep. four preview post final four. And now I'll just show myself out. And now you'll just show yourself out, and I'll say goodbye to the listeners. Thank you. Please. Subscribe to the Jay's for Days podcast on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Jay's for Days Pod. Check out the YouTube, the TikTok, all of those fun things. And we'll be back some point this week before Saturday, as we've established here on the, the end of this year podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jay's for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.